today on It's Time. All of our righteousness is filthy rags. Why do you think God said that? A rag is the last use of a piece of cloth. So either you're going to have the righteousness of God's robe wrapped around you, or you're going to have an old rag, and that's what you're presenting to God for your righteousness. Hello and welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry of Pastor Mike Kessler, the pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, Pastor Mike is teaching on the book of 2 Peter. The study on 2 Peter is part two of the Peter series, and if you'd like to catch up on the series, 1 Peter is available for free download through the iTunes podcast store, or you can purchase it from CSN at 800-357-4226. With 2 Peter, here's Pastor Mike. Don't let the devil buy you off with trinkets of the world that, that entertain your thoughts. Just say, God, I want to be what you want me to be. You know, the Bible will lead you. You know, we all just go to God and we say, Lord, today's your day. Show me what you want me to do. Help me be the best I can be for you. And Lord, you have a right to interrupt my day, however you want to interrupt it, to do your work. You know, that's the prayer we as Christians pray. You know, a lot of times people say, well, I don't have time to pray. And they think that some, we often have thought that we've got to spend hours and hours in prayer. Hey, listen, it's surrendering your life to God. Do you know God takes you at your word? When you came to Christ and you said, Lord, forgive my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. If you meant that in your heart, God took you at your word and born, born you anew by his spirit. Took at your word. Now, the same thing. We go to God in the morning. Lord, today's your day. Sensitize my heart to your spirit. By the way, I think when you spend time in prayer, maybe a little bit longer than just something short, I think God begins to reveal to you knowledge to witty inventions. Many of you that are business people says that and tells us that in the book of Proverbs. Some of your businesses need a witty invention. Serious. I believe inspiration comes from God. Sometimes in your prayer, God will lay somebody on your heart you maybe haven't thought of for years. You call them on the phone only for them to tell you, wow, I've been just hoping somebody would call me and talk to me. Maybe it's something that God is working on in your own soul and in your own life. Those areas of correction that we need from God. And friends, we all need it. Don't ever feel that God's picking on you because he might cite something or flag something in your life. Listen, it's because he loves you. And a real friend will tell you, you got a noodle in your beard. And God loves you enough to tell you sometimes you might have something amiss in your life. Not to point out and say, hey, everybody, look what he did wrong over here. But rather saying to you in your heart, hey, listen, this is something that needs to be corrected. As a matter of fact, I love you. And a real friend will tell you the truth. And the Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Not only is he our Savior, and not only is he our Lord, but he's also a friend, the Bible says, that stays with us. And if there's ever a time in our lives that we need, we need friends in our lives, don't we? Real friends, not flaky friends that take advantage of you or just use you. And then when they get everything they want out of you, they throw you away. But a friend that really sticks with you, that knows you, that says, hey, I want to help you and bless you and lift you up. See, this is what God will do in our lives. This is what he promises. And so he tells us here that there's a judgment, just as there was the first time. There's a judgment again. And this judgment the second time, the Bible says, will be with fire. And we know that 
God is fully justified to do that. So he tells us here in verse 8, But, beloved, do not forget. By the way, just if you like to do like, like, some of you like are like into Scrabble. Kind of a creepy game, but anyway, that's all right. You got to find a word that uses letters or whatever. But you know what? There's people really like jigsaws, puzzles. Well, this is one that kind of falls in that way. Look how many times he talks about man's ability to remember what he wants to remember and man's ability to forget what he wants to forget. Again, going back to verse 1, I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Then we find in verse 5, for this they willfully forget. It's selective memory. I know your children have this. You tell your kids you're going to take them to Disneyland, they will never let you forget. You tell them to dump the garbage, say, I don't know. Did you tell me that? Yes, five times in the last 20 minutes. Really? But they can remember what they want to remember. And I have found this as a little bit of an element of our own lives as well. So he says here, this, speaking of the ungodly, they willfully forget. Now, verse 8, but beloved, do not forget. <laughs> Again, see, this, this admonition to remember. Friends, listen, listen, get this from Peter who understood what he was talking about. Don't forget who you are in Christ. It's the greatest attempt of the devil to knock you off the course. If he can get you to forget the promises of God, if he can forget, if he can get you to forget you're a child of God, you will find yourself doing things that you never dreamed possible that you would ever do as a Christian since you've accepted Christ. He says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing that the Lord that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as as one day. Now, this is important because here Peter is saying that God does not live in the same time frame and the t- same time zone that we live in. Now, there's people that have come along and said, well, see, God could have made the world over a period of 7,000 years. Because if a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day, and the Bible says he made the earth in six days, why couldn't he use 6,000 years to build the earth? Seems logical, doesn't it? Except if you look at the story of creation, when God creates the plants first and then he creates the sun, (laughs) having plants a thousand years without sunshine is a problem. And the Bible also uses those words there in Genesis that very clearly say evening and morning were the first day. Well, it was a really long day. It says evening and morning were the first day. So it was six days. And by the way, what's hard for God? He spoke it into existence anyway. The Bible says all things that exist are created from nothing. Now, if we go back to elementary science 101... You know that everything that exists is created from energy, which is comprised of atoms, which is electrical charges, protons and neutrons. And depending on how many there are, depends on whether it's wood, hay, stubble, metal, you. It's just energy. And by nature, like charges repel, so they really don't know what holds the center of an atom together. Because they are the same charges What's circling around the center of the atom is the opposite charge, but all those little components inside the atom, and this is what Einstein figured out, that if you could somehow figure out how to split that apart, you would get a chain reaction of violent nature called an atomic explosion. 
The center of the atom is held together by God. The Bible says God holds all things together. Now it's interesting when we're talking about here how God's going to allow the world to be destructed with a fervent heat. Flood the first time, fire the second time. Many people, many Bible scholars believe God is simply going to let, by nature, what the center of the atom should do, and that's light charges repel, giant atomic explosion, the entire universe, just... But the Bible says He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. But inside that, God just spoke it into existence. Spoke the energy into existence. All those little atoms just hold together. And you think about that for a minute. It says, God made everything. A thousand years is as a day with the Lord. Listen, a lot of people take God's mercy as slackness. This is what it's talking about here because he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, verse 9, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So this really ruins the whole theology that God predestinated people for destruction. Let's read this again. But he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any, underline the word any in case you ever run into a a, a kind of a way out there, five-point type Calvinist kind of person, willing that, not willing that any would perish, but all, underline the word all, should come to repentance. That's God's heart. But God doesn't live in time like we do. God ultimately knows those who make it, those that don't, friends. He just does. God does not learn like we learn. If God can learn, he's not God. He's not all knowledge. He lives in all times present. And that's what this whole thing about a thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years. God lives in all times present. So it's us that live in time. That's really difficult because, see, we have to take sometimes eternal principles and bring them into our worldly understanding, our our earthly understanding of things. That's why Jesus said to go preach the gospel to every creature, because I don't know ultimately who's going to make it and who's not. So Jesus said, go preach the gospel. Yes, it is true. Jesus died for every person. For God so loved the world. It doesn't say, for God so loved a selected few, and it might not be you. Real problem. So some people then go, well, I'm predestinated to go to hell, so party on. Wrong. The Bible says, as we just read, not willing that any would perish, but that all should come to repentance. Notice it says should, doesn't mean they will. But it says they should. Well, he tells us here, days is a thousand years, thousand years is a day. God lives in a different time zone. By the way, it says, let's let's go back and read verse 8 again real quick. For some of you that really like to study the Bible, it says, and by the way, we all should. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that the Lord, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years. It doesn't say that, does it? One day is a thousand years. It doesn't say that. It says, as a thousand years. I uh, have circled the word as in my Bible. See, right here. And a thousand years as a day. The word as there doesn't say it is, it says it can be like. Because God doesn't live in the time zones that we live in. Very important. So when you're trying to defend the six-day creation period and they try to cite this verse, you can point out it says as, it doesn't say it is. Very important. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. 
in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. It says that day of the Lord, that day in which God calls everything into accountability, everything is done, it says it's all going to melt with a fervent heat. We understand, friends, that there is a judgment that does come for the ungodly. Jesus took your judgment on the cross as a human. Now, you can either pay for the sins yourself or you can let somebody else pay for the sins for you. Somebody else has bought your ticket. And Jesus bought that ticket with his own blood. That's what makes the difference. You see, you're valuable to God. Jesus' death on the cross shows you your value. You're worth so much, somebody else died for you. The old saying goes, if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have died for just you. And I believe that. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't know, well, he knew, we didn't, who would believe in him and who wouldn't. And that free gift is yours. How do we go to heaven? Somebody has asked. This past week, I was able to... Dentist offices are not generally one of my favorite places to go. They have things on their little tray there that just scare me. They have hooks and needles. And you know you're in trouble when they say open wide. And you hear this grating sound of the hook dragging across your teeth. You know what I mean. And it was interesting because in that process of that happening, the girl that was working on my teeth, we began to talk about the Lord. I think she knew I was a pastor. And so we began to just converse. And we began to talk about going to heaven. And there are no dentists there. Thank the Lord. Um... But we began to talk about how we're righteous. And I began to share with her just how the righteousness of God isn't something that comes from us. It's something that God gives to us. And that even Jesus talked about this big marriage supper in heaven. And everybody was given a robe. And Jesus walks up to somebody and says, how did you get into the party without a robe on? And the man was speechless and he was escorted out. That robe is the, the robe of righteousness that God gave us. We go to heaven because God gives us the righteousness. We, it's like you put on a coat, one of those long trench kind of coats, and you wrap it around you, and now you're all white and clean. That's what makes you holy. And that's why I get to go to heaven. You know. And when you begin to share with people that it isn't their righteousness that gets them into heaven, it's God's righteousness wrapping around you, man, that's the good news. And that's what the word gospel means, is good news. We go to heaven because God is good. See, and and beginning to explain to people that this is what the assurance of salvation is. That I, you, go to heaven because God is good, not because we're good. Friends, we are going to fail. That's not an excuse to do that. But it, it happens because we're trapped in an old sinful body that likes to do weird stuff. That's the war of the spirit and the flesh. You feed the spirit, the spirit's going to win. You feed the flesh, the flesh is going to win. God offers us this robe of righteousness that we put around us. When somebody is asked if they want to accept Christ as their Savior, it's, do you want to wrap yourself in God's righteousness? Do you want to accept what He's done for you? And you know something? When you're wrapped in the robe of righteousness, God changes the way you see life. Changes the way you respond to life. And I would invite you this morning to consider whether you've been wrapped in God's robe of righteousness. 
If you were to die today, would you stand before God and say, God, I've done the best I can? Or would you say, Lord, thank you for wrapping me in your robe of righteousness? That's how you really know if you're saved or not. Because if you're trying to ever approach God in your holiness, your righteousness, the Bible says all of our righteousness is filthy rags. The most vile, filthy rag you can get. That's how good our righteousness is before God. Now it's interesting, friends, for you that are Bible scholars, think about this for a minute. All of our righteousness is filthy rags. Why do you think God said that? Because what is a rag? A rag is the last use of a piece of cloth. And the cloth started usually as a garment. So either you're going to have the righteousness of God's robe wrapped around you, or you're going to have an old rag at the end of the line, and that's what you're presenting to God for your righteousness. Do you see the contrast? God's holiness, new robe, righteousness, our old worn-out rag saying, well, God, this is how good I am. You see, that's what God offers you in Christ Jesus. You wrap that robe of righteousness around you. It's a decision you make. It's something God will do. And then when you're wrapped in righteousness, you know what? God changes you. You see, that, that relationship with God changes the way you look at life. It's no longer everything for me and I. Now, God, what can I do for others? And that's where God begins to intervene in our lives and change our focus and remind us who we are. You need to be reminded, if you don't have a relationship with God here this morning, my heart goes out to you sincerely, because no one tells you who you are. Hollywood tells you who you are. The trends of the day tell you who you are. Gucci tells you who you are. But if you're in Christ Jesus, God tells you who you are. And reminds you who you are. And in this road of life, God continues to remind us who we are. So we don't believe the lie of the world. And we don't fall in to the same trap the world is in. A generation lost in space. If you ever want to look and see what's wrong with America, they've forgotten who they are. But God says, remember. I believe some of the ways we remember is reading your Bible every day. I believe some of the ways we remember is getting together on Sunday morning and celebrating what God's done for us. I believe some of the ways we remember is Christian radio in your car or Christian songs on your CD. I believe there's a lot of things that God can do to remind us. I think Christian friends are one of the greatest things you can have to remind you who you are. But you need to remember the pit from which you were dug and the hole from which you were pulled out of, as it says in the Old Testament. Never forget who you are in Christ. Peter reminded over and over again, remember Remember, remember. And he said, the world willfully forgets. This morning, if you've never wrapped yourself in the robe of righteousness, if you've never accepted what Jesus has done for you, took your place, we're going to pray right now, and you can ask the Lord into your life. And he'll change you from the inside out. Remember, friends, you're not going to do anything for the kingdom of God. You're not going to be attacked for. No good deed goes unpunished. (laughs) But that's okay. Great is your reward in heaven. The Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. You need to remember, you have a greater calling than people's opinion. You do what God's called you to do, you'll be blessed. So if you need to pray, you need to get right with God, we're going to pray right now, and you can ask the Lord to change you. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I have lived it my own way. And I confess to you, God, I'm empty inside. 
So from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. Your blood covered my sins. I ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I'll have the power to live for you each day. And thank you for writing my name in your book of life. That I can spend eternity with you. So now, Father, I commit my life into your hands. Jesus, help me live for you each day. And Holy Spirit, strengthen me. And open the doors of opportunity that I may be a witness for you. In Jesus' name. That's Pastor Mike Kessler with It's Time. I'd like to take this moment to invite you to get your free copy of It's Time to Grow, the new believers booklet written by Pastor Mike. It's Time to Grow answers many of the questions new believers have in a clear and concise manner, followed by the scripture references for each statement made. It's Time to Grow can be yours simply by dialing 800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Or you can order it online for free at csnradio.com. Don't forget, if you'd like a copy of today's program, you can call our toll-free line I mentioned before, and that's 1-800-357-4226. Also, the daily free podcast is available through iTunes by searching for It's Time in the iTunes Store. On behalf of Pastor Mike and all of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time. It's time.